like us, um, you've probably been following uh, the events in recent weeks since the death of George Floyd with a mixture of um, shock, anger and probably concern as well. Um, when anyone loses their life, it's completely tragic, isn't it? But the allegations of racism against the police officers involved have provoked a huge um, global outpouring of anger against all forms of discrimination. Now, I'll be completely honest with you um, and say that I found it incredibly difficult to know how to process everything that's been happening. I found it really unsettling and I've been wary of speaking out about it. I've been worried um, that either I'll say the wrong thing or I'll end up looking like a, a hypocrite. After all, what does an affluent white trainee vicar from Surrey really have to speak into this situation? And I think I feel this particularly acutely because in my previous career, I was a police officer in the Met for 13 years. And I spent a lot of that time having to convince people that um, that I was kind of, you know, uh, working with and, and helping that I wasn't a racist because of the uniform that I wore. And I always pushed back really strongly against that accusation because in all my years working on the front line, I can honestly say that I never made a decision, a conscious decision, because of the colour of someone's skin or their ethnic background. But I wonder whether that is part of the problem and why I found the last few weeks particularly unsettling. What if I have uh, discriminated in the past without even realising it? What if it was unconscious? What if by virtue of my relative privilege and, and being a member of the majority group, I've made assumptions about others without having a clue that I was even doing it? This has been a really uncomfortable thought for me to wrestle with. And I think being in that uncomfortable place is actually probably a good thing. If we're asking ourselves difficult questions, that's healthy. And I, I wonder whether this extends to us um, more widely as a church at Holy Trinity. We are in Claygate, some of the most um, privileged people in the world, aren't we? But what if we are part of the problem without even realising it? What if completely unintentionally we're part of a system that has a bias an advantage towards those who are like us, from the same backgrounds, with the same education, with similar friends. The other week I was chatting with Tom's sister about these events. Uh, her husband, who's our brother-in-law, is half Barbadian, so I was really keen for their views. And they have a child together who is a mix of them both. And she said that she talks to her son most days about the colour of his skin. And I was really impacted by this. My immediate thoughts were, why would you point out the difference? Why would you make it so obvious that he stands out? Um, and we have three young children. And I'll be completely honest, I have never spoken to our oldest daughter, um, who's five, about race and colour, because I wouldn't want to draw her attention to it and make other, other people feel uncomfortable when inevitably out in public she might say something as you know children can be pretty unfiltered um, but it's only when I 
uh, was reading a book by a prominent black author, uh, Rennie Edo Lodge, um, that I saw that my attitude has actually got a term in its own right. It's, it's called colour blindness. That in my efforts to prevent the awkward who is what colour discussions with our five-year-old, I realised that actually I was a part of the problem. Uh, that in my efforts to be not racist, I wasn't going far enough to promote colour in our family, let alone in our community. So for me now, it just isn't enough to be satisfied with seeing myself as not racist, but to pursue anti-racism. It made me think, where are the children's books on our shelves with black protagonists? Why is Jesus always white British in our kids' Bibles? As I looked at all the images of the marches, of the violence and the victories, the tension and the unity, I found myself thinking, where would Jesus be? Rachel Den Hollander is an American Christian lawyer. In her youth, she was a fantastic state gymnast who tragically was sexually abused by Larry Nasser, who was the Team USA gymnast doctor. In her testimony in court, she said the following, Jesus Christ does not need your protection. He needs your obedience. Obedience means that you pursue justice and you stand up for the oppressed and you stand up for the victimised and you tell the truth. Obedience costs. It means you will have to speak out against your community. It will cost to stand up for the oppressed and it should. If we're not speaking out when it costs, then it doesn't matter enough to us. It will cost to stand up for the oppressed. It costs Jesus his life. I know that I am far from getting this right, but showing true love to all God's people will cost. It will probably cost me awkward conversations with my child in the street. It will probably cost me when I try and fail to find the right words to build up the black community. But it is always worth the cost. Jesus always is. And, you know, for us, as we've been thinking about um, this and, and processing it, we've realised it's not about um, a massive guilt trip. It's not about um, beating ourselves up for things that we've done wrong in the past, even with hindsight. Um, but it is about asking uh, difficult questions of ourselves and looking um, inward and looking to God's word and asking him to show us how we can better live for his kingdom here and now. So we wanted to end with a word from scripture and then a short prayer on this. So a word from Galatians uh, chapter 3, um, verse 28 and 29. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So, Lord, we say thank you for that promise. Thank you that it extends to every single person on this earth whom you love and you created in your image. Thank you that we all inherit that promise through Abraham and through, most of all, Jesus and his blood shed for us on the cross. And we pray that you would show us how to live as children of that promise, mm -hmm. 
by embracing all who you created. Help us to be bold enough to ask uncomfortable, difficult things that we might live and work to your um, glory in the world, in everything that we think and we say and we do. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.